Just like the first disciples, teach us to pray should be eagerly and always on the lips of every follower of Jesus. I'm Luke Heisler. This is the Teach Us to Pray podcast. I've been taking another look at the ways I was taught to pray over the past year and a half or so. I'm wanting to continue and deepen that journey for myself and provide a kind of roadmap for others on the way. And so, this is a limited exploration through Christian prayer, where we'll take a look at the different marks of a prayerful life, talking with some friends about what it means to pray until we become prayer. In these conversations, we'll be trying to break prayer down to its most basic form, communion of the mind with God, learning together how to become people marked by the presence of God in both the secret place and the public square. Thanks for listening. Let's dive in. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Um, today we are going to talk about meditation and about praying scripture and sort of how those two things go hand in hand and how they're really similar and how they're maybe different. Um, we talk about memorization versus actually knowing scripture um, and all of the things around sort of the Bible and and prayer. Um, my guest today is a uh, pastor from the area, uh, Lee McDermott. Uh, he is a pastor at New Spring, uh, where one of my previous guests was a pastor um, as well. And uh, Lee's an amazing guy. He uh, has been in ministry for over two decades, and he has such a beautiful regard for um, worship and for the arts and how the more creative things relate to prayer and the church and Christian practice and Christian living. And so this was a really great conversation. Um, I nerded out a lot and uh, Lee has so much of the Bible in him. Um, he would never like flex about that, uh, but he has literally so much of the Bible in him um, that he has uh, committed to memory and to heart and just affects him in really beautiful ways. Um, Anyway, um, thanks for tuning in. I'm really excited about this episode. Here we go. Hey, welcome back to the pod. Um, this week, we are going to be talking about uh, meditation and praying scripture and sort of um, what that means for us and uh, what that means for, uh, I guess, the people around us um, as well and how that is sort of an integral part of the praying life and, uh, yeah, all things about that. Um, I'm here. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself, actually? Yeah. <laughs> Great. My, yeah, my name is uh, Lee McDermott, and I am uh, one of the lead pastors at New Spring Church. I've been working there for about 22 years. The, the uh, I first came on staff as the worship pastor back in uh, 2000. Wow. And um, so I did that for about the first first 15 years. Mm. Uh, along the way, my wife, Allie, she and I have been married for 11 years, and uh, I have two kids, a son, Gray, who's seven, and my daughter Lucy, who's five. And uh, my current 
role with the churches as one of our lead pastors. I uh, preach on occasion as a part of our teaching team and uh, oversee our prophetic ministry, our unity and diversity ministry, and uh, help to pioneer a couple of other things, um, helping our staff get a higher theological education and uh, also developing an arts community. So those are those are all things that sort of in my in my purview, along with you know um, anything else that sort of comes up. Uh, I deeply love our church and uh, my wife Allie and our family. We live in Greenville, in the neighborhood right behind our Greenville campus. So we we uh, are a part of that uh, part of that community. I was a student at Anderson College. I graduated there in 2000 with a degree in music, and uh, so the prayer prayer has definitely been a a fundamental aspect of my you know. Uh, not just my life with Christ, but uh, with my world worldview, with how I see the world. Mm. And uh, so I'm excited to, to chat with you about all these things today, Luke. Awesome. Yeah, me too. Um, I guess just to jump right in, uh, what is, and this is like purposely the broadest question in the world, right? What is the Bible? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what is it doing? Uh, what is it trying yeah. to do? What is it? Um, yeah, just, I guess, go for it. Sure. Well, I, I, I am, uh, you know, there are, of course, a lot of different um, answers to that questions, that question across the board. My answer will be fairly orthodox. Um, the, the Bible is a the collection of, of writings, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, you know, the canon of, of Scripture that we have today, um, having you know, so many different writers written in three different languages across so many different years. But what it is, is a, you know, I love the way that Tim Mackey and the Bible Project uh, bring this forward. They yeah. say that the Bible is a unified story that reveals Jesus. Mm. So the Bible is not, it has history in it, but it is not primarily a history book. It is, it has wisdom, but it is not primarily a book of wisdom. It has, um, you know, narrative and laws and prophecies, all of those things are there in the scripture, but they are not the scripture. What the scripture is, is the chosen pathway of divine, of the divine revelation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. So for me, the Bible is truly a living, breathing book. There is no other book like it. And, uh, it has the power to do things to the human being that no other book has. It can create faith. It can reveal the person of God. It is it can make us wise for salvation. I mean, all of the promises, the things that the Bible says about itself are really staggering. And uh, mm. if we take them for what they say they are, by faith, it stands to be a you know completely uh, transformative um, entity in our life. I, I you know, love the passage of Scripture, Timothy's, all Scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correcting, training, and righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, you know, not lacking uh, anything. We're fully equipped for every good work. And the Scriptures, like it says in Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect. Which is, that's a pretty big statement right there. The law of the Lord yeah. is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. Precepts of the Lord are the right, rejoicing the heart, enlightening the eyes. The Spirit of the Lord is clean. You know, like the the whole thing, it, you know, it, it ends up in the statement about the real treasure that God is. Um, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. But then your servants warm, you know, and keeping them there's great reward. So I, I think, you know, when you ask the question, what is the Bible? To me, the Bible is the greatest treasure, the greatest mm. earthly treasure of my life hmm. because of what it reveals. 
Um, and it, it in and of itself is not that treasure. I, mean, I think it's right to have in mind Jesus' warning to the Pharisees when he says, like, you search the scriptures because you think they have life in them. Yeah. But it is they that reveal me, is mm-hmm. what Jesus is saying. It's like the scriptures are not there to be learned, memorized, meditated on for their own sake. Yeah. They're there as a vehicle to reveal to you the person of God, the living, real God. Hmm. And uh, so because they do that, they introduce you to, they, they become, you know, the scriptures become the language really by which you understand and talk to God and, and the language by which you understand and hear his voice. If you think about all the ways you can potentially hear God, mm-hmm. the, the foundation under all of them is the Bible. Mm. Is the scriptures? It's by, it's by the scriptures that you know the tone and the content of God, what He would say and how He would say it. That's essential in a life of prayer. It's not just speaking to God; it's listening. So, how do you know you're hearing God? You know that by becoming familiar with the Bible. Um, so, anyway, the, the answer to the question, "What is the Bible?" Like, what is the Bible? For me, the answer is very simple: the Bible is the very Word of God. And the not and it is not the intention of any man, as like the song says. Mm, so, yeah, um, I believe all the words of Scripture are God's words. Mm. Yeah, and I think um, it's interesting to hear you talk about that, and then to think about how that kind of permeates. Like, just thinking of setting that against my experience at, here at AU, like there are a lot of conversations <laughs> happening about what is the Bible, and and also like. Uh, more so a lot of visible applications that kind of reveal how people view the Bible and how people think, like what the what they think the Bible is. Um, and like the biggest one that I can think of right now is so many people, I feel like especially in um, the academic world, are trying to use the Bible as like um, l- like proof texting for Calvinism or against Calvinism sure. or whatever. And while I think there's like, uh, of course, theological pr- principles presented in the Bible, it's what you're saying. It's so much more than that. Um, and I oh, think yeah. treating it s- specifically as that is doing the same thing that the scribes and Pharisees were doing. Um, I've been stewing on lately um, this idea that I saw just like this little nugget in um, Eat This Book by uh, Eugene Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um, where he was talking about uh, that the Bible is like the revealing of this like underpinning of of wisdom and this sort of like uh, hmm, I don't know how to say it's just presenting God's way of things, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about like the one who sets that kind of undercurrent, right, is the one that it is leading back to. Um, and I think I, I also love uh, Bible Project's kind of vision of, of what that is, of the Bible's unified story that leads to Jesus. Um, and I think that has incredible implications for the way that we pray, um, especially for the way that we pray Scripture um, mm-hmm. and, and the way that we read Scripture. So maybe jumping onto that, like, what is responsible reading of scripture? You know what I mean? Like, I think there's just talked about how sometimes people are reading scripture as a sort of dictionary for their theological convictions, 
uh, sure. intellectually, or maybe they need some feel good passages. So they, you know, hop into the gospels and the epistles and, and only focus on the good parts of those even, um, and yeah. never touch the old Testament, um, the Hebrew Bible. So I guess what is responsible reading of scripture look like? And then to kind of get to the topic of the episode, what is meditation? You know what I mean? I think those mm-hmm. things go hand in hand, but, um, uh, maybe fleshing sure. those two things out, um, individually and then, uh, meshing them together might be helpful yeah. to, to listeners. I response. I think that's a great question. What is responsible reading of scripture? I know for me, like the response, the thing that I feel like responsible reading of scripture is for me is re- reading scripture in the pursuit of hearing God's voice, mm. and not doing that in a self-centered way. So I don't want to approach the scripture as if it's a book about me. I want to approach the scripture as if it's a book about God, and I want to treat all the words of scripture as if they are the words of Christ Himself. So when I go to any passage, I want to be hearing what was the writer originally intending, what was, you know, what was the audience, what would the would the person who originally received that that portion of Scripture, what would they have taken away from it? I want to re- do all those things, but I want to have a Christological hermeneutic, and I want, I want to interpret the Bible looking for Christ in it, looking for Jesus in it, looking for the revelation of Him. For me, personally, just from a selfish standpoint, I am desperate to be friends with God. I want, I enjoy my friendship with him. And in, in every friendship that I have, the greater amount of conversation I have with that friend, the more I know them, the more I feel connected to them, the more I enjoy my relationship with him. Reading the Bible is the most certain and sure way I can enter into conversation with God Hmm. because I am hearing him and there is, there's no noise. There's no deception there inside of it and so when i am you know um, reading any anything the old testament or the new testament i'm reading it uh, i'm trying to reading it uh, i'm i'm not trying to read it and make it say something it doesn't say but i i want to read it in in such a way that connects me with the person of god because that's what i'm really interested in if you if you think about human beings designed for friendship with god in the beginning when there's man and woman and god in the garden, they're there in conversation and in fellowship mm-hmm. together, in friendship together. In the end of all things, when all is renewed, we're in the new heavens and new earth. There'll be men and women in conversation and friendship with God. I feel like you know, prayer honestly is a is a redemption of that vehicle for friendship. It's the communication with this friend that we have, mm-hmm. and the Bible is is the most reliable way to know this friend. And it's the gateway to all other forms of knowing God. So that's why when you ask, you know, the question, what does responsible reading of Scripture look like to me? I mean, I want to take in the Bible in large chunks yeah. every single day because I like God. I like Him. Mm. Like, He is a person I enjoy being with, and I want to know Him. And I feel drawn to the Bible the same way I feel drawn to date night with my wife because mm. it is a vehicle for conversation and intimacy. And so like, you know, I, when I wake up in the morning, I want to pray. I want to, I want to read the words that I have read a hundred times before because they are brand new to me mm-hmm. most of the time. And uh, they do things to me. 
And uh, I think I think this does like sort of segue into what meditation on the scriptures is as a as a form of prayer. The many forms of prayer, silent prayer, and you know, um, you know, petition and thanksgiving. I mean, we kind of we there uh, the the Greek word for prayer in the New Testament really is this word about the exchange of desire with God. Like mm-hmm. prosyukomai is the word for prayer most used. Huh. So that's really talking about requests. You know yeah. what I mean? When it comes to petitions, that kind of thing. So that's the word that gets translated prayer, prosyukomai. But <clears throat> we treat the word prayer as every form of communication with God. Mm. So this is, I am just, I am being quiet. I am just, I'm just letting God love me and letting him speak. That's contemplative prayer. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, um, praying through the scriptures, praying, like bringing petitions to God, there's thanksgiving and praise and really any dial, any human dialogue that's directed at, at God, you could consider as prayer. So we have it as a sort of a catch-all, but this idea of meditation on the scripture as a form of prayer, I think really is important um, because uh, it, it has the ability to do some things for us, um, even down to, you know, when you think about mental and emotional health, Mm-hmm. Uh, meditation is is a key to that. So, um, in my understanding of meditation, really leans heavily on a, um, a a a belief in the sort of the the makeup of the, of the soul as mind, emotions, and will. Mm. So, if you think about your brain at the top your emotions, your heart in the middle and your gut and your uh, will and desires in the bottom, you know, whether that's actually how it's laid out or not, this is just a helpful illustration. So if you think about my mind being the gateway for this scripture, let's, let's pick a a scripture out and let's say, uh, let's use John 15 where Jesus says, as the father has loved me, Mm -hmm. so have I loved you abide in my love. Three parts as the father's loved me, so have I loved you, abide in my love. I want to meditate on that scripture. I'm going to take those three sentences, those three phrases, and I'm going to put them into the top, into my brain, and I'm going to think about them. I'm going to repeat that scripture over and over again until it seeps down into my emotion, and I begin to feel. Hmm. Um, I begin to feel that, and then as I continue to repeat those words and to think about it and I begin to feel that what begins to happen is it seeps down further and begins to affect what is deeper, my desires, my will, Mm -hmm. my drive. When I think about a phrase like, you know, um, as the father has loved me, I want to think about, okay, what is he saying there? Mm -hmm. So like the father loves the son. Let me think about what that love is like. It is, based in purity, it is based in holiness, it is based in, I mean, it's infinite, it is the love of a perfect being, it is a shared mind, it is deep, and it's all these things, it's, it's a complete caring and providing for and affection, all that stuff, so as the Father's love, boom, here comes the next part, so have I loved you, where Jesus is t- saying that to the disciples, he's saying that to us, mm. You think about the comparison there, the love of the Father to the Son is the same as the love of the Son to us, to you and me. And then here comes the command, remain, Hmm. abide, stay in my love, stay in it. 
so that you think about you think about those three phrases over and over and over again. Bring them into your mind. Let them hit your emotions. What do you feel when you take that personally? And then what does it begin to do in your desires? You know what I mean? What the things that you long for, the things that you want. Do you really want some things that you think you want so bad now, or has that thought of Christ's love for you satisfied those desires so deeply that you don't really need them anymore? Mm. So you kind of see I'm looking at it like almost like a like a waterfall sort of cascading. Here comes the thought at the top into the gate of the mind, flowing down into the heart and into the emotions, and then ultimately down into the deepest part, into the will, where it changes changes and shapes our desires. Right. So when I think about meditation, that's what I think about. It's taking a scripture um, and and mulling it over, like chewing it enough mm-hmm. in your in your mind to where it gets fully digested. A, um, a Jewish rabbi, uh, not a, a rabbi, a messianic, um, uh, messianic uh, sort of a spiritual father to us in Israel when we have been there to, to study. He, he, he mentioned this. He's like a, a cow has a bunch of stomachs, like, you know, a, a bunch of different stomachs. And so it yeah. chews the cud and then it, it goes, processes back and through all of these different stomachs. So it's fully digested. He's like, the human beings have four spiritual stomachs. I mean, all of us are taken aback by that, obviously, but <laughs> he's like heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm, that's good. And he's like, until you have digested God's word in all four of those ways, if you don't feel a scripture, you haven't sat with it long enough. If it's if it's not affecting your desires and making you feel something, then you haven't sat with it long. If you just if you read a scripture and you're just like, yeah, this is knowledge. I understand this. I believe this. Uh-huh. You haven't gone far enough with it. And that was that, that was profound for me. So uh, anyway, I mean, I hope that's a, 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 a gives some measure of help to you know at least my understanding of what meditation mm-hmm. does. It is. Not Eastern meditation, uh, when we think of like emptying the mind, it is actually filling the mind. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of the opposite of that. You, you're taking the scriptures and you're putting them in there and you are you are letting them occupy such a large space that other things just sort of get pushed out. Hmm. And uh, so there is repetition in it. Every morning, the part of my routine in the morning, uh, you know, I get up quite early. And by the time I hit my shower, the thing I'm doing in the shower is going back through Psalm 84, which I do every single morning from memory. Um, and I, I just go slowly through that and let it affect me. And by the time I step out of the shower, I believe that Psalm in its entirety. Yeah. And, you know, that, you know, talk about Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson had the practice of, um, reciting a different lengthy psalm every single morning as a part of his devotional rhythm. Huh. So, you know, Psalm 18 or Psalm 34 or uh, 96. I mean, like, I'm not exactly sure which ones that he used. I know Psalm 18 was one of them. Mm-hmm. If you think about what Eugene would have been going through as he's, as he's stepping through Psalm 18 in the morning, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Mm. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, and my take refuge. I mean, like, it, there's, I mean, and it's like, with, uh, he makes my arms strong so I can bend a bow of bronze. He makes me able to leap over a wall. Every word of the Lord proves true. I mean, like, there's all these things inside of Psalm 18 by the time you get to the end of it. If you're really, if you have memorized it and you've incorporated it into your, into your brain to that level, what begins to happen is it affects your emotional state in a very real way. Mm. And so 
I mean, I, I, a part of my story is in, in 2014, I was having two to three panic attacks every single day, mm-hmm. riddled with anxiety. I, my, the cortisol levels in my body were so bad that I couldn't see clearly out of my right eye. I had a retinopathy there. My, my retina had detached because of the stress. Mm-hmm. And I, I began to understand in that moment how memorizing scripture and hiding it in my heart and meditating over it began to affect me chemically. Yeah. So directing my, and I mean, it's not the only answer. I mean, I, I, I've used a, uh, anti-anxiety medication for 18 months in order to get my body back into a place of alignment with my mm. soul and spirit. The memorization of scripture, at least for me, has become a way it's, it's become a gateway into mental health. Mm. And, um, you know, if I take Psalm 84, it, it really aligns me with what I want my desires to be. It speaks to my identity. It speaks to when things are difficult in life and when things go wrong. And it has some heavy-duty promises of God that anchor me to his thoughts about me and his uh, preferred future for me. Hmm. So when I begin my day with that ammunition, it's, it's, it's a lot harder for me to get into the mental downward spiral that typically leads to anxiety and depression for me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's great. Um, yeah, man, you said so many helpful things. I'm trying, I'm trying to latch onto one. <laughs> um, I think so often for me, I sort of my, the, the beginning of all of this journey into what, what like prayer truly is, um, was, uh, like, believe it or not, I feel like this is strange for some people to hear it. Like was the contemplative tradition. Um, Mm. and I just, I, I mean, I, I never thought that that was allowed. (laughs) You know, I was actually told that that wasn't allowed. And, And even, um, the buzzword meditation, right. That's not even allowed. Like this sort of praying, I mean, in my circle growing up, meditation was not praying scripture like this, chewing oh, on yeah. it. It was uh, it was this Eastern sort of what you were talking about. Um, mm-hmm. So forget, you know, contemplation. I mean, that's insane. Yep. Um, just letting God's love wash over you. Um, yep. Are you kidding me? And so as I started to do that um, and practice that and then um, want to branch out into sort of other areas, you know, round out my prayer life and and actually practice this thing and not just choose the, like the sexiest way of praying. You know what I mean? Um, like I, I started to think about what meditation is and it was hard for me at first to separate the two, to separate contemplation from meditation. Um, Mm -hmm. and what was helpful for me was this quote that, um, I forget his name. He's a rabbi, um, or was really, really, I I mean, I think he was even uh, pre-Jesus, but he said, uh, talking about the scriptures, turn it over and turn it over for all is within and look into it and become old and gray within and do not move away from it for you have no better portion than it. Um, Beautiful. And that really helped me reframe like, okay, the contemplative prayer side of things is doing something really different than the meditation side of, of things. Um, because I think as we meditate and, and sort of ruminate, I guess is, is maybe a good synonym for that, um, on scripture, 
not only are we transformed in this way that you're talking about, but we're transformed in the way that we like look at scripture. Like a, a big theme in this podcast has actually accidentally become like praying gives us new eyes um, to see whatever we're looking at in a different way. And mm-hmm. I think with meditation, like, I mean, I'm a, a writing major, uh, sort of do a lot of literature classes. Um, and so, I mean, we're always taught to read books really um, critically and look for connections and thematic emphasis and stuff like that. But I was never taught to read the Bible like that. Um, and it wasn't really until I discovered um, Bible Project um, and then had this sort of realization about meditation that I started seeing how important the connection, the intertextuality of scripture is. Um, and one that's really cool and like just satisfies the nerd itch, right? But I think more importantly that like really reemphasizes the fact that this is one connected and coherent whole story. It's not like there's not like the best few verses or um, like it's not a collection of inspired bits and pieces. It's a, it's a unified story. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think meditation invites us to participate in that story and to become a, um, yeah, to become a participant in the story and like move it forward in a way that like we're not moving it forward of our own accord. We're kind of just like caught up in the flow of it um, as we move toward Jesus by participating in this thing. So it's like really circular, like it just folds in on itself and and, um, we are only carried toward Jesus by this sort of meditation on scripture, but we can only meditate on on scripture in this sort of way because the scripture, right, the word of God himself came to us and showed us how to do it in the first place, Um, Mm. which I just think is so cool and also, like, breaks my brain a little bit. Um, Yeah. But I... You're you're describing the uh, one one of the many aspects of the role of the person of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. in our life. Uh, Jesus was very clear. He said, when the helper comes, he's going to bring to you a remembrance all that I have said to you. Yeah. And so when I have always believed because of, because Jesus said that if a verse of scripture ever comes to my mind spontaneously, right. It is because the Holy spirit was living inside the cells of my body, Mm. occupying my space and larger than my space. I believe. Yeah. Um, He is the one he, God himself is the one who is, um, illuminating that and pulling me into the story. I mean, this is, you know, my own, my own experience of, of prayer, um, honestly has involved some of those times I'll wake up in the morning and I feel like my inner man has, like I'm, I'm walking up on two people having a conversation. Mm. I know you have that experience at a party yeah. and you're like walking up and maybe, one of them doesn't see you coming and uses your name and is talking about you or something like that. Uh-huh. Very positive, you know, in a positive light. And you just walk over and like, oh, okay. You just join the, join right in the conversation. Sometimes upon waking, that's my experience. Hmm. It's like the, the inner me and, and Jesus are, you know, through, through the, through the Holy Spirit are having some conversation and I'll wake up into it, which is, which is a, a fun experience. 
um, many mornings. But yeah, that reminds yeah. me. I'm, it's kind of connected. I think I, I can't remember if it was Eugene Peterson. We keep talking about him, um, or Dallas Willard. Um, but when he died, his like whoever it was, his wife said that um, he he probably didn't even realize that he had died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just love that because I think that um, that constant prayer, that sort of um, blissful communion of the mind with God, you know, as Augustine would mm-hmm. say it, um, is I think meditation is such a helpful way to practice being yeah. there always, um, which is really yeah. cool. So, I mean, I, we've already touched on, I guess, what, what does this type of reading do to us and in us? Um, but what does it do kind of flowing out of us, right? Like I'm a big proponent of the fact that um, the ways that we practice in our closets affect um, the ways that we live that practice in the public square. So like what does meditative reading do to our personal ministry? Oh man. Well, I, I think incorporating the scriptures into your, into your life, whether you memorize it or you're meditating it so that it, it gets committed to memory, but it goes, you know, all the way down mm-hmm. into you. Um, I mean, at least for me in my ministry, what, what it means is that, that the advice I would give some is just saturated with the word of God. Yeah. Because it's just, it becomes the thing that comes out. And I, you know, I've been in ministry for more than two decades, lots of counseling scenarios, lots of, you know, all kinds of different ways of interacting with people in discipleship, you know, context. The thing that I have realized, I believe the promise that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Mm. And so from that perspective, I understand my words don't create faith in anyone, Yeah, but his words do. And so, you know, the more I am in the scriptures, the more I meditate on them, the more I think about them, they just, they cannot be contained inside my body. They just come tumbling out into text messages and emails and, you know, face-to-face conversations and, um, you know, all of those, all of those ways. So that's, that's another reason why I am a strong advocate that the entirety of the Bible should be enjoyed by, by every, every Christian. Uh Uh-huh. It's very, very important to read the Bible all the way through to get all of those passages of Scripture under your eyeballs so the Holy Spirit can can give you the full context of what God's mm-hmm. revealed in the Scripture. And you can, you know, it's, it's all there inside your brain that he can pull from at any time in order to bless the person who's you yeah. know, sitting across from you. And so uh, I, oh, sorry. Yep. Go ahead. No, yeah. I, when I was, uh, I had not read the Bible through until I was, maybe 24. Mm-hmm. Like I had not read it, read all the different parts of it and was really challenged at, the, at that stage of my life to, to take it all very seriously and to read it all and to get it all under my eyeballs so that, um, the Holy Spirit could use, use it to bring it to mind and to, um, it could be fuel for ministry. Yeah. I, um, I have not read the Bible all the way through. I'm sure I have read every book of the Bible, but there's something to reading the narrative as one uh, whole, I'm sure. But I, um, for, man, the better part of a year, I think, have been reading Genesis over and over again <laughs> because mm-hmm. I was like, man, I don't understand this weird and wonderful, absolutely strange 
introduction to God that is Genesis. And so I resolved to just like read it and then read it again with a commentary and then read it and then read it again. And anyway, that's more of like a study thing, but also I think it's meditative um, in some ways. But I mean, I'm setting out to in uh, 23, uh, jump off from there and uh, just go for it. I'll also be the first to say that like, the books that everyone says are the hardest and like the most boring to get through, like Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is so good. Oh, dude, yeah. I don't know who told you that, but they they told you a lie, man. I know. Like yeah, De- I, Deuteronomy is deeply rich, oh. and you, I mean, you see gospel mm-hmm. stuff all over it. Oh yeah. I, I, I kind of really shake my head at that. I, you know, if I ever hear someone mm-hmm. say that to someone else, I try to as gently as I can say, please do not agree with the devil. Yeah. The devil would love to do whatever he can to keep someone from mm-hmm. opening the book. And that's just so, it's so destructive to yeah. believe that lie. I was thinking about that. Most people, most of the time I hear people say, oh, Leviticus is so hard. Oh. I'm like, dude, Leviticus, like, like read Leviticus and then pair it with Hebrews. Yeah. And what you will see is the seriousness of Christ's work on the cross. Right. And the holiness of God upheld. So yeah. there's, I mean, there's some dynamite stuff in, in Leviticus. I mean, it is just a treasure. I, I just feel like, you know, the, the enemy has propagated some lies perhaps in order to keep people's eyes out of the, out of the book. But I mean, I, I here again, I still believe what Paul told Timothy, all right. scripture is breathed out by God. Mm-hmm. If all of it holds to that, I want every bit of it. Give it all to me. Lay it out like a feast on the table and give me a fork and a stick the napkin in my shirt. I need it. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I want it all, man. Yeah. And, but, but, and not because I'm trying to figure it out like a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is, this will be my advice to you when you think about Genesis. Be careful about trying to read it to understand it. Oh, of course. Yeah. When when you read it, just simply seek to find Jesus in it first. Yeah. If you have to read it for a class, there's understanding that you need to to, to show and all the rest of that stuff. But I think from a devotional standpoint, mm-hmm. read read Genesis to discover Christ mm. and and he will begin to leap off the pages. Yeah. And uh, and, and reveal himself to you. One of the things I wanted to, to mention, speaking specifically about contemplative prayer, I think contemplative prayer for the Christian is the closest thing to Eastern uh, meditation. Yeah. And when we think about meditating on the scriptures, that is the concept of filling yourself with the scriptures in order to be changed by them. Mm-hmm. Um, but contemplative prayer really is more like that Eastern practice. And I don't have any issues with that because Christianity was, was started in the East. Right. Um, and, uh, so I don't, I don't get, you know, thrown off by that at all, but contemplative prayer, there's a statement that I use a lot, you know, around our church when we pause in silence for prayer. Mm. And, uh, it was coined by a guy named Graham Cook, but he said, the first rule of devotion is to let yourself be loved by God. Yeah. The first rule of devotion is to let yourself be loved by God. That is so important. I think too many times we in the Protestant ilk try to bring our offering to God. Mm. Like, okay, God, I'm going to bring you my Bible reading. I'm going to bring you my prayer time. I'm going to bring you my effort. I'm going to bring you my, you know, my spiritual discipline. If you just sit outside in silence, 
yeah. trying to just simply be, then what happens there is God is in the driver's seat now. Right. And you are not trying to somehow bring him into some token economy where you do your good work and it the coin in the vending machine. And now, okay, because I read my Bible today, uh, can you please give me a good grade on this test or let me go out with this girl I've been you know, attracted to or whatever. I mean, it's, it's, that's not what it is. Yeah. It's, you know, you are, you're basically saying in contemplative prayer, I bring nothing to the table. Mm-hmm. And so God, will you come and fill me? And with what you fill me with, I will then pour out on you. Mm. So many of the, um, the desert fathers and some of the more like medieval writers had to say about contemplative prayer that it is literally for you to realize that you're loved by God and you to realize that you like it's, it's to bring you to humility. Like you were saying, like Mm -hmm. it is for you to realize that you do not bring anything to the table. Um, and that God is the one who gives and takes away. Right. Um, and yeah, I, the episode that, that I recorded on contemplative prayer was amazing. We just like, it was, um, you know, uh, Kate Copeland. Yeah. Yeah. She and I chatted about that and it was great. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's really fascinating and I think people get really weird about it. Um, and I think because you, like you're saying, contemplative prayer is closer to that sort of Eastern meditation. They think that contemplative prayer, and I thought as well, contemplative prayer and meditating scripture are the same thing. Um, but they're really you know, distantly removed from each other. Um, Yeah, very different. While also being like something that also keeps coming up in these episodes is that like all of these types of praying, these ways of approaching God are so much more interwoven, interconnected than I thought they were. Um, oh, yeah. which has been really fascinating. I mean, it makes sense. Like now, now that that's kind of been like lifted, um, like the curtain has been lifted on that for me. I'm looking back and I'm like, oh yeah, like, of course it is. <laughs> it's all this yep. doing the same thing, um, at its very core, um, which is so beautiful. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think this might be hopping onto a different sort of train, but I think this is, um, important because growing up, I mean, I did, uh, what is it called? Awana. I forget if that's actually what yeah. it's called. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> like sparks and all that stuff. Um, that's like fine, I guess, whatever. But really what's not fine is the, like the Bible drilling stuff. Um, because I mean, I, I was memorizing scripture, uh, as a, uh, late elementary schooler and middle schooler to like impress man (laughs) and Mm. uh, feel proud about myself and feel good about myself. And I know that that's how everyone else, at least that I was doing that sort of thing with was feeling about it too, because we've gotten together and we've talked about it um, since then and how uh, honestly destructive it was to us and our personal um, devotion and our personal like journey with God. Um, and that's not to say that it's always bad. Um, and always, you know, has that result, but it it did here. So I think maybe, is there a distinction to you between like rote memorization and like, and and sort of intimate knowledge of scripture? Well, so in order to, I I do have a comment about 
Awana and Bible drills and all the rest of that. And the one thing that I would say is even though potentially, you know, the, the, the forced memorization Mm -hmm. in a competitive sort of, uh, environment, um, was how you took in the scriptures at first. Um, I almost chuckled when you were saying it earlier because like here you are hosting a podcast about prayer uh, <laughs> later on in your life. It seems to me that, that, you know, it is, it is important as you enter your twenties and you become, you really, you know, sort of like move into standing on your own two feet in adulthood. Mm-hmm. Very, very important that you forgive the offenses of the generation before. Oh Yeah while you honor what they deposited into your soul. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, very clearly, there are some things that are beginning to bear fruit in your life because of what was planted mm-hmm. back then. And you essentially said that. But to me, memorizing and knowing Scripture are a little bit different. Um, I, I, you know, honestly, I would much rather know yeah. the Scriptures. Um, like I said, but memorization to me is sort of that, first mental level mm-hmm. uh, knowing what the words say in the order that they are said. And, um, but I, I really never memorize the scripture just to memorize the scripture. I memorize the scripture because I am a needy person. Mm-hmm. And I typically memorize the scripture when I am facing a mental or emotional battle that I do not have the equipment for. And honestly, the battle for my own identity is so large on a daily basis. I do not have the mental equipment. My my brain wants to go sideways uh, so regularly that I have to come back to say, uh, you know, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. This is mm-hmm. Psalm eighty four. Mm-hmm. So, like for for me, I have incorporated that scripture into my daily rhythms so frequently that what it has done is like, I, you know, it is, it is way down in there now mm. and, um, it's never coming out. I mean, there's other scriptures that I've, I remember for a long time when I was a single guy, you know, when I would get into a real depressed kind of state and felt like under attack, lustful thoughts, all this, this kind of, you know, so I'm trying to live a pure and holy life that is so difficult. Mm. Psalm 16 really became that lifeline for me. Mm. And um, I began to use that in prayer every time I would feel, you know, sort of mentally, yeah. um, mentally pushed back, pushed against the wall. And uh, so, I, you know, it's semantics, memorization, knowing. But, but to me, I think it's more about motivation. I mean, memorization, yeah. you know, is there going to be a test on it? By the time you're 45 years old and been in a career for 20 years and have a wife and two kids, I don't care about memorizing. I don't yeah. care at it at all. I need the word of God. I need it. Yeah. It is so, I'm, I'm desperate for it. I have to have it. And I, I just simply know by this point what it does for me. Mm. And what it does is it saves my bacon on, on a daily basis. Mm. You know, I get, you know, my, my thought processes, my, the way that I approach me. Gosh, I mean, even just being able to deal with difficult people, knowing uh, knowing God's word helps you keep your cool, man. Yeah. So it is so useful and so helpful in so many ways. Everything the Bible says about itself is is absolutely true. Mm. 
So I don't know if that's helpful when it comes to answering that question. I think that the, you know, for you and for your listeners, one thing that I would commend to you is this idea of pursuing God for a name mm-hmm. from the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So let me un- unpack this for you real, real quick. So, you know, in, in, if you begin to read the gospel of John, what you hear in there is uh, the Pharisees come to John the Baptist out in the wilderness. They say, Hey, who, who do you, what do you say about yourself? Who are you? Who do you think you are? We need to tell the people who sent us uh, about you. And John the Baptist replies, not with his name, John, the son of Zechariah. They would have known these people who came out to him, they would have known that John, son of Zechariah was of the high priestly family. I mean, he was not an ordinary person. Yeah. Right. So, but, but John the Baptist answers the question, who do you think you are with Isaiah 40 verse three? Hmm. He says, I am, let me tell you who I am. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Hmm. And I took that, that was like so striking to me when I first realized it. And I was like, God, I want that. I want, if if somebody were to ever come to me and say, hey, who do you think you are? I want to be able to answer, not with my name, but with an identity from the Bible. Yeah. And God led me to that Psalm 84, that doorkeeper thing resonated so deeply with me. I would rather be with him, just the guy who's, you know, standing at the door, who's, you know, welcoming people in. I'd rather be that guy. Right. I'd rather be the dude with the, the janitor's keys cleaning up. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I'd rather be that dude than anything else. Mm. And so the incorporation of that entire psalm into memory for me has become basically um, a statement about my identity that I sit in every single day. And what it's done for me, it helps me like remember who I am yeah. in every situation. I and it's, it's just so helpful. And I think for you, for your the people who are listening to the podcast, I mean, just ask God to name you from the Bible, mm-hmm. and then just take a spin down through that thing, memorize it, you know, and and get to know it. And what may happen is you may find yourself on really firm footing when it comes to knowing who you are and what God intends for your life. Mm, that's good. Yeah, the the biggest thing I see is that like it it does come down to motivation, truly. Like I, I think I would always tell somebody, hey, if you're memorizing scripture and it's not because you want an avenue toward that like I guess that current of wisdom that leads to Jesus that I was talking about, like the mm-hmm. good life. Um yeah. then like what are you doing it for? Do you know what I mean? Um Yeah. And I think I, and of course, I think there's definitely other ways to get into that sort of the flow, right, of of the Eden life. But because I, I mean, I have I have a couple of friends who genuinely like have a hard time memorizing song lyrics. Oh, um, yeah. And so, like, because I mean, the thing is always, well, you can memorize um, song lyrics and you can memorize a song, and I st- I think that's true. Um, but I remember I said that one time to somebody, uh, in my like BCM group and they were like, I can't memorize song lyrics. And I was like, yeah, whoa. Well, um, for that person, I would say, well, why don't you take that scripture that you want to memorize and why don't you go get a cheap canvas mm-hmm. from Michael's Yeah, and why don't you paint 
that thing on there yeah. and don't use any words. Uh-huh. Just read that thing and then take all the colors you think that thing looks like and put it on that canvas. And I guarantee you by the time you're done painting that canvas and you hang it up on your wall, it has no words on it, but you know every last bit of that. Right. Yeah. And, and so I think getting people, there. People's brains are wired. Their personalities. Everyone is, is so different. That's, that's, mm-hmm. I, one of the best things about spiritual discipline is memorizing being one of them that I ever heard. The guy gave me this advice. He said, if whatever you initiate, whatever idea that you incorporate, you if you come up with it, you have to sustain it with your own power. Mm. But if the Holy Spirit has initiated it, right. then he will provide the power for the discipline. Yeah. And I think too often we just haul off into somebody else's good idea without asking the Holy Spirit if it's what we should do. Oh. And I feel, I feel like right now, man, I mean, if somebody's like, man, I'm just not this way of memorizing that I've been told is just not clicking. Mm-hmm. I would be like, well, stop doing it. Like open up, get a blank sheet of paper. And just ask the question at the top of God, Lord, what, how, how would you like me to memorize scripture? Yeah. And then capture, write down the first thing that comes to mind and just take a leap of faith and do it. Mm. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I, I, maybe not to that extreme, but I do have a hard time sitting down and like memorizing a chunk, you know, but, something that is so helpful for me and, and something that I do all the time is, is write, right? So, um, I will read, uh, usually it's a Psalm and then I will write about it. <laughs> like you're mm-hmm. saying, like creating to memorize is, is something oh, that yeah. like I didn't know was a thing until, um, I honestly, I think until I like tried it or was doing it for some other reason. And then right. by the end of this piece that I'd written, I was like, well, I know this Psalm like the back of my hand. Um, yep. how did that happen? Um, and it really was, I mean, there's no other, I think, way to chalk it up other than the Holy Spirit, of course. Um, but yeah, man, that's, that's that's super, that's super helpful. I think, um, maybe dispelling some of that. There's one way to memorize scripture. Um, because I think even we get it into ourselves, like there's one way to get scripture into you, like, and it's memorization. And I think that is true to an extent, but um, of course there's like other really important things like praying it or like um, reading it in community or hearing it read, Mm -hmm. um, all these different things. Uh, Yeah. Hmm. That's it. Whether you hear it in your ears or in your brain, hearing, faith comes from hearing. mm. And uh, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Luke, I got to jump back into family stuff, man. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, this is great. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I hope you get an A. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Awesome. Yeah, um, that was Lee. He had to run, um, but that was a beautiful conversation. Lee, when you hear this, thank you so much for uh, coming on to chat about all things praying scripture meditating scripture, trying to get the words of God deep into us um, by and for the, the word of God. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Teach Us to Pray podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and share it with your friends. 
We hope this conversation was helpful to you and to your practice of prayer. If you missed any of the other ones, you can go back and listen wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you back here next week with a new guest and a new topic. Thanks again. Bye.